0: Uh, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement. He's been an advocate for Texas independence since 1996. He's a featured guest on Fox News, CNN, CNBC, BBC News, and others. Um, now, he has advocated reexamining the relationship between all the states and the Federal Union. His latest books, Texit, uh, a thoroughly researched nonfiction book exploring the divides between Texas and the rest of the country, are available for one and all. I recommend it. Um, he should, I should emphasize what he passes on to us, saying that Texet, uh through the lens of frustration with out-of-control government like the Mueller probe, general frustration with corruption driving uh, secession movements worldwide, and the uh, outlier of uh, Kalexic uh, being driven by Trump victories. We, 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 we uh, introduce him right now. Daniel Miller, good to have you on board. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, a pleasure, a pleasure. I, it, it would seem as if your frustration is perhaps born out of our, our nations forgetting the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. You know, the Ninth Amendment is the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights, should not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people, and it seems to be hand in glove with the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution or prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. It's almost as if we've forgotten about these two amendments, but... Um, they're imperative for us to remember uh, because once we forget about them, then all of a sudden government has the perfect opportunity to unilaterally transcend uh, its own origins. I mean, government would have the perfect formula for finding a way to get it, getting out from underneath otherwise absolute constitutional restraints against government overreach, hence the reason I can't stand the living document theory. But give us some more on this, if you please.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, let's not pretend that the Ninth and Tenth Amendment are the only parts of the Constitution that the the federal bureaucracy has forgotten. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I think think the uh, the term that I used before was that uh, most of the people in the federal government couldn't find the Constitution with a hunting dog and a Ouija board. I mean, that's just the way these guys are. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not so much just my personal frustration. Look, I, I've been advocating for Texas to leave the union for 22 years, Be 22 years in August. And, and in that time, in visiting with both Texans and one of the things that is a recurring theme is that, honestly, people are just sick and tired of living under, under 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations administered by 440 separate agencies and 2.5 and million unelected bureaucrats. Uh, you know, the, the idea here is, and, and the, the realization that people are coming to, is that the way that the union was initially constructed, the way that it was envisioned by the founders and the framers uh, as a political and economic union with a touch of, of travel, uh, mutual defense, uh, we have long departed from that, and instead what we've got is we've got an overempowered federal bureaucracy – that can uh, that, that feels perfectly capable and and confident and and morally justified in going on these ridiculous witch hunts, you know, sniffing out, uh, you know, violating our Fourth Amendment rights, encroaching on our right to keep and bear arms, uh, clamping down on on free speech, uh, engaging in our in our business uh, details, you know, our, our business transactions. So, you know, the, the frustration the Texans feel is not unique to Texans, although there are some unique aspects to it, and we react fairly badly, uh, given our history and our culture of being fiercely independent.
0: No, I think you you have a lot of um, spot-on observations there, Um, and it's unfortunate that we forget about the rights we have or we believe that through word association bridges, government gets to, again, somehow uh, recast the Constitution in such a way as to get out from otherwise absolute constitutional restraints against government overreach. Uh, I, I, for one, am growing very, very tired of it, um, especially as it relates to how the Second Amendment's been treated. I mean, at issue, you've got two dueling perspectives, uh, the collective right to own firearms, which, as you know, is contingent upon the existence of a militia, and then the individual right, which is really reliant only upon the citizen's independent preference. But, I, you know, you, you mentioned the Second Amendment. Well, let's take a look at it. Uh, Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, you correct me where I'm wrong, but as far as I'm concerned, inarguably, a militia is really an on-call citizen's army, and if needed, really becomes a recruitment of the already armed. And, and given that dynamic, you got to first have an ongoing right of the people to keep and bear arms in order to quickly form the militia upon which that free state security is based. So in my estimation, the reference to a regulated militia is a parenthetical rationale, not a contingency. I mean, uh, at the time it was written, regulated meant in good working order. It has no relevance whatsoever to government permission. And 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 I'm just curious what you think of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you're, you're talking to you're talking to a Texan, and you know, <laughs> so you're going to agree here, with here, me here, on this one pretty here, quickly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to get any argument. I mean, I, I think to a certain degree, Texans here would probably, if if really push came to shove, would probably require fire uh, firearm ownership. Uh, you know, look, we've never for, we've never forgotten the Battle of Gonzales when the dictator Santa Ana overthrew the, cost, the Mexican Constitution and sent his army up to collect arms, specifically in Gonzales, uh, a real a really small cannon. That was given to the colonists for the purpose of defending against Indian raids. And, and when the Mexican Dragoons showed up, you had a handful of Texans that stood in defiance of the Mexican military and dared them to come and take the cannon. So, you know, th- this is this is what we're talking about. Look, there are other states within this political and economic union that despise everything about the right of self-defense, not just self-defense from criminals and gang members, but self-defense against a tyrannical government. And, and those states, unfortunately, have the biggest influence and the biggest sway. And so when Texans are beginning to do the calculus in relation to these rights, what we have seen is decade after decade, encroachment after encroachment, further erosion of rights, especially the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things that has been probably extraordinarily controversial was immediately after the Santa Fe school shootings, we came out and we pointed a finger at, at a group of people that no one really wanted to point a finger at, and said, "Look, the, the federal government bears a tremendous amount of responsibility on this particular issue, but they they bear the same responsibility there that they do on an issue, say like uh, you know our border with Mexico or." The massively screwed up uh, system of immigration. Uh, the federal government goes in; they put their fingers into everything. They try to be all. Yeah, but
0: that's what I'm. You know, I, I want to jump in for a second because it's important for people to realize that the federal government doesn't get to redefine the Constitution uh, in the name of interpreting it, and that includes the Supreme Court as part of the federal government. And that's because the degree to which a government can redefine the Constitution is really the extent to which that government is no longer subordinate to that Constitution. I mean, it becomes the perfect formula for government to, again, get out from underneath otherwise absolute constitutional restraints against government overreach. Isn't that fair to assess, sir?
1: Well, once they can change the rules of the game, then there's no way for us to win. Exactly.
0: Let's forget. Let's remember what the Father Constitution said. The sensorial power is in the people over the government, not in the government over the people. Thank you, Mr. Madison.